Go with me, please, in the scriptures to the book of 3 John. If you don't know where that is, just go to the back and start backing up. 3 John and the second verse, 3 John 2. Anybody got this one marked? We began a new series a couple of weeks ago, and this is one of our main texts. He said, Beloved, I wish, that's also translated pray or desire, above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Uh, there is, has been for, I don't, I don't know how long, well I do too, since the book of Genesis. <laughs> there has been controversy and even hate and all manner of sin over this thing called prosperity and abundance. And many have become convinced through the ideas of men and teaching and preaching of wrong doctrine that God is opposed to any degree of wealth or prosperity with his people, that it is an evil to be avoided. And that if you really are serious about being a Christian and serving God, you will divest yourself of uh, money and things and maybe even take a vow of poverty. Now this kind of thing is widely believed by many church-going people, but is it true? What's it based on? What scripture is it based on? You got two sources for belief. What men think, what God said. And we need to examine our beliefs. I know the first year that I was in Bible school and was hearing such good things and receiving so much input, the Lord challenged me. I'd only been there month or two, the Lord challenged me. I don't, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me very distinctly. Keith, examine everything you believe. Find it in the scriptures. And uh, I realized that this is something, this, this is an assignment the Lord's given me. This is a directive and I need to do it. So as the days would go by, something would come up and I realized, yeah, I believe that. I've always believed that as long as I can remember then the, the, the Spirit of God would remind me, where is it at? Where is it at? Find it. And uh, much to my surprise, more than once, I couldn't find it. And actually found scriptures that contradicted what I believed. When you find scriptures that contradict what you, what your family, what your church, What's your denomination? What groups have believed for centuries? Believe. What do you do? What do you do? Jesus told the religious leaders of his day, he said, you have made the word of no effect because of your traditions. If you don't think people will get mad and fight you over traditions, you had not been around very long. <laughs> Oh, you will see such ugliness 
if you disrespect their traditions, and I'm talking about church traditions, religious traditions. But when you come face to face with the reality that your tradition is not in agreement with his word, come on, what should you do? Help me out. What should you do? You should humble yourself and say, well, I guess we was wrong. (laughs) I guess a lot of people's wrong. Because look at that. There it is. There's four scriptures that says the same thing. Time to change. Everybody say, time to change. Time, time to change. Let me read this to you from some other translations. The, uh, the Young's literal translation says, Beloved, concerning all things, I desire you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The Dewey translation says, Dearly beloved, concerning all things, I make it my prayer that you may proceed prosperously and fare well as your soul does prosperously. Some have come to look down on this word prosper or prosperity, but it's a Bible word. And it literally means to succeed. To succeed. Well, does God want us to succeed or to fail? Does lack please Him? Are plenty. Well, there's a reason why I'm taking my time. Millions of church going people say they don't believe what I just said. But the only place they don't believe it is in church. Because come Monday, they try to get some. They work, 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 save and try to be smart and invest and And then if they do make a bunch, they try to hide it when they go to church (laughs) or feel guilty because they didn't give it all away or because they have something more than somebody else has. Should you feel guilty if you don't give everything away? (laughs) Can you tell this is a subject? What does the Bible say? What is the truth? Because the truth. Anybody want to be free around here? The truth. The truth. Will pay off your house. The truth. Will put you in a new car. The truth will enable you to do more for the poor. And more for the gospel. Than you ever dreamed you could do. And have the house and the car too. Now, I know a lot of folks don't believe that. But what does the Bible actually say? What does the Bible actually say? Psalm 35, verse 27 is one of our other master texts on this series. Psalm 35, 27 says, Let them shout for joy and be glad. What are they shouting about? What are they glad about? That favor my righteous cause. Yea let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified. Which has pleasure. In the poverty of his servant. Are you sure? (laughs) Oh y'all didn't go for that. Let the Lord be magnified. Which has pleasure in the. 
prosperity. Can it be so? Can it be true that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, of his people? If he didn't, he'd be out of sync with all good parents. How do we understand him being a good father when no good father or good mother wants to see their son, their daughter not have enough to eat, not have enough to pay their utilities, get kicked out in the street because they lost their house or their apartment? Come on, no good parent, not a one, takes some kind of twisted pleasure out of seeing their child hungry in the street, lose everything, and their parent says, great, they'll learn some things now. I'm glad. No. No. Poverty is a curse. Always has been. Always will be. It's never a blessing in disguise or otherwise. You read the scripture. Used to be. You read the text. If you kept the commandments of God, you'd prosper. If you meditated in the word night and day and did what he said, you'd prosper. If you got full of the wisdom of God, you'd prosper. When did that change? I mean, with the New Testament, that all changed. And now God don't like it anymore. He likes to see people scrape by. When did it change? He didn't change. He never changes. Men get strange ideas. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Mark, chapter 14. There's much to be said about this, but the time is clicking by. I've, uh, in my short time, small study, I've come to the conclusion there are two big things to know about this subject about prosperity and abundance. Number one, it is God's will. Are y'all with me, friends? It is God's will that you prosper, that you have plenty. He actually takes pleasure in it. Number two, he very much does not want us to be covetous. He's for us prospering He's against us coveting. Coveting. Money's not the problem. Stuff is not the problem. It's the love of it. It's having it in the wrong place. It's having your priorities skewed. Y'all with me, friends? And we don't need to talk about one without talking about the other. And in word and faith circles... We've kind of only, you know, talked about the one side. But in this series, we're going to talk about the other side. We're going to talk about the covetous side. Because if you don't get that side, you won't get the other side. The Lord is not going to add to you things that will hurt you. Nor is he going to add things to you that will take you away from him. 
Now you can, through all kind of other means, you can add stuff to yourself that you shouldn't even have. And you can add stuff to yourself that take you away from God and that you lift up above Him, give more of your time and thought, but that's not Him adding it to you. That's you adding it to yourself through wrong time, wrong ways. What we have is not the big thing. It's how you got it. How it came. And we, we don't just want to be rich for the sake of being rich. We want to be a blessing. And we want what the Lord would add to us. Not what we could add to ourselves. Does that suit you? In Mark 14, you'll see something that is much quoted. But the source is not recognized. In Mark 14, 3, Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. As he said, at meat or food at meal, there came a woman having alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. These were stone receptacles. The receptacle itself was valuable. And the ointment was very valuable. In fact, some of these items or items that were passed down from mother to daughter. They were very valuable. And uh, she brought this and broke the box. They were thin. And poured it on his head. And uh, verse 4. There were some that had indignation within themselves. And they said why was this waste? Of the ointment made. Verse 4. It might have been sold for more than 300 pence. Now you need to understand that figure. Because uh, we don't talk pence today. We talk dollars and cents. But this was almost. This was a. I don't know. Two thirds. Three fourths. Of a year's average wage. So I think conservatively speaking. Well, let's just, let's just put a, a range. You're probably talking anywhere from twenty to forty, fifty thousand dollars by today's money. And she dumped it. Boom. <laughs> forty grand. Thirty grand. Boom. Didn't feed anybody. Didn't clothe anybody. How long is this even going to last? You know, it's going to smell really good in here. He's going to smell really good for a little while. And uh, there were those that were indignant. And they said, why did she waste this? What does it mean to waste? This is where we need mind renewal. Waste. Waste. Have you ever heard somebody say, that's such a waste? You know what I could do with just one of those paintings hanging on their wall? That's such a waste. You know what you could do for the poor with that? That should have been sold and given to the poor. Is a quote 
from the Bible. A quote Jesus rebuked. A quote from Judas Iscariot. And Christians quote it like Jesus said it. And it reveals serious problems. Are you awake today? We need to get our mind renewed. Who wants the church broke? So that it cannot preach the gospel to the world. Who wants Christians broke? Who wants Christians in such a defeated, broken state that nobody else wants to be one? Who? God? God gets some kind of perverted pleasure out of seeing you struggle, me struggle, out of seeing churches have to close their doors for lack of money to even stay open, much less get on any type of media. Ecclesiastes says, the poor man's wisdom is not heard. What? Does God want his word heard or not heard? Does it take money to turn the lights on, keep the AC going, get some cameras, get on the internet? Should bad stuff be the only thing that's on the internet? Does God want his word heard or not? Does he want the gospel to get out to as many as possible or keep it hidden off somewhere, not able to do it because of lack of funding, lack of ability? Who wants the church, the Christian, broke? Reckon. Who? Who? The devil, our enemy, the thief, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he's convinced much of the church that God wants us broke. I want you to notice what they call waste. They're basically saying they're reproving both the woman and Jesus. They're despising her. They're despising her gift. And they're saying Jesus wasn't worth it. You hear this phrase? Wasted on Jesus. Who would come up with a phrase like that? You want to quote that phrase? If you say that could have been sold and given to the poor, you are agreeing with what the devil inspired Judas and them to say. People who care about the poor, you know what they do? They do something for the poor. They don't go around judging what everybody else is doing or not doing. And they don't go around bad-mouthing people for not doing what they're not doing. That's hypocrisy. We need to get this settled. Are you willing? Yes. Sit out loud, Lord, teach me. Enlighten the eyes of my heart, my mind, my understanding. Reveal your will, your word to me concerning these things. Help me to see what is you, what is not you. What is man, 
and what is you? What is right? What is not right? What's the devil? What's the enemy? Reveal it to me. And I'll walk in the light thereof. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Wasted on Jesus. Wasted on the ministry. He was their minister. Wasted on the Word. He is the Word. Made flesh. Do you even want to say that phrase? Wasted on Jesus. Wasted on the ministry. Wasted on the Word. I'm going to say a phrase to you. You cannot waste money accomplishing God's will. You can't spend too much. You can spend too little. You can't spend too much. You can't pay too high a price if it accomplished the will of God. On the other hand, I don't care how tight you are, how much you watch and scrape, how much you squeeze every deal. If it didn't accomplish the will of God, the whole thing of that was wasted. Can you see that? No matter how smart and sharp you were in cutting the corners and saving the Lord money, if it didn't accomplish his will, all of it was wasted. All of the time, all the money. You'll hear parents take a keen eye and go, we need to teach these kids the value of a dollar. No, we don't. You should already know. What's the value of a dollar? Hardly anything. (laughs) People need to learn the value of a soul, of a person, and the value what's going to save a soul. What's going to save a soul? How will they call on him in whom they haven't believed? How will they believe if they hadn't heard? How will they hear without a preacher? Who is it that despises preachers and preaching and the word and treats that like nothing and says the only thing you should do is help the poor and change the great commission from going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature to going into all the world and helping people naturally. Helping the poor as good as it is is not the main thing Jesus did. Nor is it the main thing he told us to do. Nor will it save you or secure you a place in heaven. Jesus did not teach that helping the poor will save you. Nor will it absolve for your sins. See, there are people that think they can do all kind of terrible things, but then if they'll just come and give to the poor, then it'll all be forgiven. No, giving to the poor is not bring salvation. If that's the case, the blood of Jesus was not necessary. What you see in this passage is a revelation that many do not have. Read it and you'll see. 
Verse 4, why was this waste of the ointment made? It might have been sold for twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars and given to the poor. Wouldn't that have made a difference? Helping the poor. See, you get such a glimpse at the subtlety of the devil. He is so tricky. Because who's going to say, no, we don't want to help the poor? Who's going to say, oh, we don't care about the poor? (laughs) What he's trying to do is minister shame on a woman who is so thankful for what God has done in her life and in her family and how God has used. You know, they didn't all know that Jesus was the Savior, the Messiah. A lot of them only saw him as a prophet or as their man of God. But she knew what had happened in her life. And she was so moved. She wanted to honor God. She wanted to honor the man of God. She wanted to honor the word of God and what God was doing. And this was the most valuable thing she had maybe in her natural life. And she gladly took it and just dumped it. Is it blowing money? Is it wasting money? You can't waste money accomplishing the will of God. You can't spend too much if it accomplished the will of God. But no matter how careful you are to scrimp and save, if it didn't accomplish the will of God, the whole of that was wasted. We need mind renewal about what's waste and what's not waste. And verse 6, when they said this might have been sold for all this money and given to the poor. They murmured against her. Jesus said, that's right. What have I been trying to tell y'all? Sister, what did you do? Haven't I taught (laughs) y'all? Search the scriptures and see how many times Jesus rebuked people for being wasteful. You would think. As big a deal as it is to people, it must be at least one of the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Thou shalt not waste. Surely, right? At least one. (laughs) But it's not. What you will find some three times in the Ten Commandments has to do with not coveting. Not coveting. We'll maybe get to that at some point. Not coveting. Jesus said, leave her alone. Remember what he say today to the people talking about this? Leave them alone. Why trouble you her? She's wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not always. Here's a big question. He is the Word made manifest. Which is more important? Helping the poor or honoring the Word? Which is more important? The greatest need of man is spiritual, not natural. 
If you gain the whole world and lose your soul, you hadn't got anything. You hadn't gained anything. Yes, if you're hungry, you need to eat. Yes, if you don't have a place to live. Yes, yes, yes. But how can all that be fixed? Not by man. There is no government. There are no rich people. There's not enough. If you gave every cent you had, it's not going to fix the world's problems. Doesn't mean you can't do something. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do something, but you are not the provider and you never will be. But there is a provider that can meet everybody's needs if they would look to him, if they'd submit to him, if they'd believe him. I know a lot of folks don't believe this, but the Bible says so. He will take those from the dung heap and sit them with princes. He's done it. He will do it. So then what's the most important thing? Yes, it's good to give somebody a meal when they're hungry. Put something on their back. Help them get a place to stay. But that's not the end. If they don't learn who their God is. Come on, y'all with me. Who their provider is. They're not going to get it fixed. And God never intended that one man be dependent on another man their whole life and look to them. The only thing that'll set you free and bring you up out of lack into plenty is the gospel. Jesus preached the gospel to the poor. What's good news to the poor? Ain't gotta be poor. No more. He, Jesus, became poor so that you might be made Rich is a relative term. We're not talking about a dollar amount. We're talking about abundance. Plenty. And whatever it is you need to be. And do. Can you say amen? Or or oh me? (laughs) He said you have the poor with you. Always. And whenever you will. You can do them good. He's correcting them. And if you look at John's account of this, look at John's account, and you'll see what happened. John 12, verse 3. Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, John 12, 3. Anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. Who's talking now? Simon's son that should betray him. He said... Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? As we see in the other passages, they said, why was this wasted? It was totally wasted. Wasted on Jesus. Wasted on the word. This he said, verse 6, are you there? This he said what? Not, he didn't care about the poor. Well, then why did he say that? What did he care about? Come on, this is revelation, friends. What did he say? This is a waste. This should have been sold and given to the poor. Have you ever heard this phraseology? Have you ever heard this kind of mentality? Yeah, and people say it with indignance. You know, anger. That just disgusts me. <laughs> Who are they quoting? 
Who are they for? Shooters is scary. This should have been sold and given to the poor. Why did he say that? He didn't care about the poor. He didn't care about the woman. He didn't care about Jesus. What did he care about? The money. The money. The money. And these people that are hollering about what other folks should do, what's bothering them? They don't even know these people. They don't know what they've given and haven't given. So what are they choking on? They love the money. And they know that that's wrong. So they use a cloak to hide their covetousness. I'm quoting scripture now. They use a cloak of concern for the poor to hide their own love of money. Because if you didn't care about the money, you wouldn't be upset. You wouldn't care how much they spent. On what? Who would you care? Why did Judas get so worked up about this? He was a thief. He carried the bag. If they had sold that alabaster box of ointment for $40,000, where would the money have gone? In the bag that he had. Come on, can you see this? But what's he talking about? The poor, the poor. It should have been given to the, oh, can you see the hypocrisy? Can you see the covetousness? And it's the same today. (laughs) Selah. Here's a question for the day. Is God cheap? Oh, that's a quick answer. That's a quick. Huh? (laughs) Is God cheap? What, What do you mean cheap? Well, cheap has to do with paying the minimum price. Right? And saving, saving that money. Y'all are too quiet. (laughs) Saving that money. Will there be any rewards given from the Lord for those that save the most money? No. Are you sure? That save the most money. Is God cheap? Then should we be? Now the psalmist said in Psalm 50, Verse 20, this is the New American Standard, Psalm 50, 20, says, You sit and speak against your brother, you slander your own mother's son. You know, they were slandering that woman that gave that gift. These things you've done, and I kept silence, you thought I was just like you. But I'll reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. There's a lot of folks that remake God in their own image. And even though they wouldn't say it, they think God's cheap, like they are. (laughs) And they think it makes God mad if you were to waste a dollar. Of course, what's wasting? Wasted on what? 
If you weren't doing what the Lord wanted you to do, the whole thing's wasted. No matter how much you saved. (laughs) But if you're doing what he told you to do, you can't spend too much. What would he care if you spent an extra hundred dollars getting the job done? I actually had the Lord tell me this one time some years ago. I was praying about this, about how much on this particular project. How much, how much. And the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean to heard a voice, but inside me. He said, son, I don't care how much it costs. Just get the job done. Amen. I actually had a pastor later hear me say that. He said, did the Lord really say that to you? <laughs> I said, I believe he did. Now, come on, think about it. That sounds like something a billionaire might say. Right? What if somebody's a multi-billionaire and you come to them and say, it may cost another $10,000. And what they might say, I don't care what it costs. They're a multi-billionaire. Just get it done. Well, God is way more than a multi-billionaire, multi-trillionaire. The problem is idolizing money. And you can do that and not have any. You can do that and not have any. Knowing the value of a dollar. There are people who've been in car wrecks because they were at the wrong part of town, at the wrong intersection, at the wrong time. It took them, some died. Some took them months to recover and tens of thousands of dollars or more because they were trying to save three cents a gallon. Going to a gas station. <laughs> Somebody said, what's wrong with saving money? It should not be the main thing. Money's not that important. Yeah, you need some. Yeah, you got to have some. Know what's more important? Being led by the Spirit. That saving the three cents a gallon don't look so cheap when you got all the medical bills. Because you're at the wrong place at the wrong time. And sometimes the least expensive way is paying more now. But who would know that? Only the Spirit of the Lord. How are you going to know it? Only if you're listening to Him and being led. But if you're led by price, you're not led by the Spirit. And you'll miss it over and over and over and over again. You know when you go to the, the restaurant, you should look at the left side of the menu. Not just the right. <laughs> right. There's been thing after thing. Vehicle, house, whatever, that it didn't look like we could ever get. But the Lord dealt with you. Look at it. Right. It takes faith to look at something and you not know how it could ever happen. That's right. That's right. But then if he deals with you to take a step, you take a step. You're sitting in a paid for church. And it's the second one from the one we, we got over there. And when we got that facility, we had no money. We say, well, you, could, you should be looking for something, you know, else. You're not there. Well, apparently we were. Because the Lord got us there. Can you see this? You've got to get price out of your head. Phyllis and I have learned that. There are times she'll tell me on something. She says, don't tell me the price. Don't tell me the price. Why? Because she don't want it to mess with her faith. (laughs) Is God cheap? 
Many are proud of being cheap. That's why they boast that they saved a few dollars and then judge somebody else because they say they spent too much. And what they're revealing is that they care too much about money. It's too much on their mind. They think about it too much. They go to too great efforts. And they get, you can tell. If you wound up paying a little more or something cost you a little more, how upset did you get over it? That reveals how important it is to you. And the Bible said covetousness is idolatry. That's why it's so bad. Money becomes an idol. It becomes something you spend way too much time thinking about, talking about, planning about. And if you think one of the greatest things you did in your life is you saved $1,000, then your priorities are wrong. Your value system is wrong. Because that doesn't impress the Lord. That's right. That's right. Doesn't impress him. The question was, were you led? Did the will of God get done? Was somebody helped? Did the word go out? Somebody's faith get fed. Thou shalt not waste. It's not. One of the commandments. It's not a scripture at all. You know what God is? God's not cheap. God is liberal. Oh, somebody say liberal. Liberal. God is liberal. Go to Proverbs, please, the, the 11th chapter. Thank you, Lord. I tell you what, before you do that, go to Proverbs 27. And this may help some folks that are not sure if they like this or not. Proverbs 27, 23. 27, 23. It says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. Keep going. For riches are not forever and does the crown endure to every generation. The hay appears, the tender grass shows itself, herbs of the mountain are gathered. Things operate in cycles. The lambs are for, everybody say for, for for your clothing. And the goats, it's implied there, they're for the price of the field. Keep going. And you'll have goat's milk enough for your food, for the food of your household, for the maintenance of your maidens. You'll have plenty. You'll have abundance if you do two things. If you're diligent to keep up with your stuff, to know the state of your flocks and affairs, and if you have his wisdom to know what things are for. Oh, come on, can you see this? How do you prevent actual wasting in God's eyes? Not how many people think. It's not about valuing a dollar. Uh, you know, just because you saved some money doesn't mean you did anything impressive to God. Now, we need mind renewal on this, friends. And no matter how careful you were and how hard you worked and how much you saved and what a deal you got, if it wasn't the will and plan of God, all of it was a total waste. You wasted all of it. 
But how can you discern between what's really wasted and not wasted? It takes the wisdom of God. Proverbs is a you know, collection of the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God causes you to know what something's for. The tithe is for honoring God. Not for going out to eat. Come on, are y'all with me? And then you need to know just in life, as something comes in, you have a sale, you get paid, and you need to know what this is for, where this needs to go for now. And the only way you're going to know that is by the Lord revealing it to you, the Spirit of God within you, and the only way you're going to see it and be aware of it is because you're seeking His will. You're seeking his plan. If you don't care about that and you never check in, then you're going to spend the wrong money on the wrong thing at the wrong time and you'll wind up wasting, 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 wasting. Even though you think you're saving, in God's eyes, it's blown because it had nothing to do with accomplishing his plan. But if we have the wisdom of God directing us, there'll be times we'll know, no, don't spend that on yourself this week. Put that extra on that balance. Right. Pay that down. Right. Say it out loud. We need to know, need to know what, it's for. what it's for. What that's for. And you'll know in your spirit if you'll pay attention. Then if something else will come up and, and somebody might give you something. Or you are allowed to get something that's really nice, but you'll realize that's not for me. That's for somebody else. That's a seed for somebody else. Come on, did you get this? Or you might get extra money and you're about to go buy yourself something and the Lord prompted you, no, just hold on to that. Just hold on to that. That's for something else. And then something comes up and you find out about it and instead of wishing you had something to give, you do have something to give and you're able to sow it. And of course the Lord's setting you up for a bigger harvest later on. You just keep coming up, coming up, coming up and you're not wasting your seed you're not wasting your money. You're not wasting your time, your work, your effort. You wind up by the wisdom of God redeeming. Redeeming your time and resources and making the best use of what God has made available to you. Best use of the opportunities. Best use of the resources. We pray to prayer already, but pray this further. Say it out loud, Lord. Enable me to be transformed by the renewing of my mind to what you say is valuable, what you say is precious, what you say is well spent or wasted. Renew my mind in these things, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.